Hey there, I'm TG Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. The Gondrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly with entrepreneurs and experts who are working on the front lines of the industry to normalize cannabis through responsible business, education, and activism. As your host, I will do my best to bring you actionable information to help you plan, grow, and manage your cannabis business. Uh, today, I'm joined by Richard Pine. He is the founder and CEO of Cleveland Cannabis College. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing pretty good, Tim. How are you? I'm all right. I'm still, still a little stunned from uh, Spicer's comments uh, last week, and we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But uh, for now, you know, I want to I learn more about you, learn more about the, uh, the college. So let's start with your background. Uh, what did you do before getting involved in the cannabis industry? Yeah, it started off, I graduated college at Kent State University here in Ohio uh, with my degree in entrepreneurship and a minor in marketing. And then uh, shortly after, I moved down to kind of rural Georgia on a small farm and really focused on my real estate investing career. Um, And then it was uh, House Bill 523 that really um, decided have me move up back to Ohio in December of this, uh, of 2016. And you're, you're like the third person that's been on this show that has a background in real estate. Why do you think that, that many people who are involved in that industry end up in the cannabis sector? Well, I think, I think it might go kind of both ways. Um, I think that some of the people in the cannabis sector go into real estate, uh, for financial reason reasons. Um, and uh, just for being able to claim profits and things like that. Uh, and then on the other side, people that started in real estate investing um, community go over into cannabis because they have um, assets that they can you know, get, get money out of. They have a passive income that is continually coming in so that they can focus on another industry like cannabis. And... So why did you decide to not only get into the cannabis industry, but specifically this, this education sector that's, that's emerging nationwide in the legal states? Well, you know, Ohio's really setting the bar as far as, at least in my opinion, as far as their legislation and with uh, the requirement in Ohio for documented education with the state for, for uh, the various different uh, levels of cannabis. So, for example, you know, obviously the doctors have to have um, continu- continuing med- medical education credits to write the recommendations. Um, employees at dispensaries and processors have to have documented education um, with the state. And so, I saw an opportunity because there is no, there's nowhere you can really go to get an in-depth really in-depth education in cannabis um, and also with Ohio looking into the research aspect of cannabis is also what really spiked my interest. Um, about a year, year and a half ago, I was actually in Uganda and Africa looking at legalizing out there, talking with Parliament about the possibilities of that just because I wanted, I was passionate about the education and passionate about the research and that wasn't being you know, available anywhere in the U.S. Um, with with the laws changing out west, and um, you know, with recreation um, and the Ohio, you know, getting ready to go into the medical marijuana, I realized that my time and money be a lot 
better spent, you know, here in the U.S. and that they were moving forward with, with the ability to, to educate and, and possibly do the research. And I, I saw the opportunity in the fact that it's an ancillary business. I don't have as, you know, much of the high startup costs that they're requiring for the licensing and stuff here in Ohio. Uh, it's, it's a required part of the cannabis industry in Ohio with the education. And like I said, it just, it, there was no, nowhere else that I could find it that did, you know, a year, year and a half um, course in cannabis. And what was the process like for you to set up the school in Ohio? Well, it wasn't too hard. Um, we, we had, I had some of the groundwork already laid out from my idea of, of setting up in Africa. So we kind of had the, the basic idea of what, what I wanted to do. Um, and it was, it was just bringing together the, the different organizations and different people that were very passionate as well about uh, medical marijuana. Um, to, so to come up with the curriculum and to come up with the, the educators um, so it's been a, it's been a lot of networking and, um, a lot of time, a lot of long days, uh, setting this all up. And did you have any trouble finding a place to host it? I know you're an ancillary business, but did, did you approach any, uh, properties or, or landlords or anything? And they were like, Hey, we don't want this here. Yeah, we had a little bit of pushback, but you know, a lot of, a lot of these guys, they, they knew you know, we, we were very upfront with them, telling them what we wanted to do. And we were pretty specific in the area and what we were looking for and in our price range. And so when we found the, the location that we're at, um, we didn't really have any issues. Uh, the only issue we really had was some of the pictures and the shirts that we had hanging up on our storefront were a little uh, controversial, I guess, to some people that they felt offended. So we just worked with management on, on moving those and covering the windows up so that there, there wouldn't be any issues. Um, but we really just wanted a place that was centrally located, um, you know, that wasn't too busy, but not too rural, and then somewhere that we could expand on. So right now we're at a little over 2,000 square foot office, and we're in the process of looking at adding on about another 2,000 or 2,100 square feet to our office space come June. And why don't you tell me about the, the, you know, we understand the purpose, uh, but, but what are you offering over there at the Cleveland Cannabis College? What are the details of uh, some of these programs? Yeah, sure. So um, we, we have a kind of a, an intro class that we require. We require two courses, um, the intro class and the history class to go any further with us uh, in your education. Obviously, because we want a strong foundation, we want everybody to be on the same, you know, the, the same foundation for furthering education and be able to have intellectual conversations about medical marijuana with people. Um, and we don't focus on just, you know, people that want to work in the industry. We also offer our classes to people that are just interested. So, page possible patients. Uh, you know, also we, we recommend that to get educated before they go out and try this new medication. Um, and and you know, we we've had everybody from 18 years old all the way up to 80 years old. I mean, we, we really don't um, have a, a set person we're looking for. Let's say. Um, and we offer, right now we're offering three major certifications. So in, in horticulture, 
uh, one in manufacturing and dispensing and another with more of a medical uh, background for like a patient navigator or caregiver. And so far, what's the response been like? It's been really, really awesome. Well, we, we opened our doors January 1st of this year at this building. Our first class was the last weekend in January. Uh, we had about a 70 or 75% attendance. And then we had our grand opening event um, the weekend after Valentine's Day. And it was on uh, February 18th. We had, it was called Weed Dating. And we had a panelist, uh, you know, a couple tables set up with panelists and you could go for five minutes uh, at, to each table and get you know your, your questions answered. We had about 150 plus people show up at that event, a lot of news coverage, and that really launched things off. Um, we had 100% attendance at the, our last class this past weekend on the 25th and 26th of February. Uh, we already are 100% booked for our March class and have since decided to start with two of the intro classes in, in April, and one of which are already halfway filled up. So we're um, we're really happy with the interest, and I mean, we can't even we can't answer the phones fast enough. How's tuition compared to to, to other trade schools? Well, as far as trade schools go, um, the the price of trade schools really vary from state to state, and from uh, area of interest so you know like an automotive the average for like an automotive trade school is about twenty seven hundred three thousand dollars let's say um and then you know going up if you're to be like a a vet tech or something it's going to be a bit more um so we're kind of right there in the middle uh our for for one certification it is it's fifty two hundred dollars and then and that's payable you know throughout your your education um, and then we also offer our executive course, which is 9000 and that covers your required courses and then the certification for all three areas of study in horticulture, the manufacturing dispensing, and the medical side. And, and where are you seeing the most interest in your programs? You know, is it the, is it the horticulture side or, or is it more the dispensing side? Or? Yeah, right, right now we're seeing the most in, in horticulture. And and you had mentioned that you had had a panel uh, at at one of your you know kind of grand openings. What what kind of questions were asked? You know, what was the most prevalent question uh, asked to that that panel? Uh, see, the number one question is probably how to get into the industry. <laughs> and so, but and we had people from you know all different walks of of the industry from from um, growers to dispensers to uh, neuropharmacologists to talk about how the how marijuana affects the brain in a you know in a neurochemical uh, aspect we had representatives from the Ohio patient network we had uh, the president of Ohio normal president of Cleveland normal answering you know the activism and advocacy questions but I'd say in general um, if you had to put a number one question, um, what was asked of the panelists was, how do I get into the medical marijuana industry in Ohio? So we're going to get into a bit more uh, details on your program. But before we get into that, we have to take a short break. I'm T.G. Brandfault. This is the Gondrepreneur.com podcast.
This episode of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast is made possible by Name.com, a global provider of domain name, web hosting, and email services. Every successful cannabis business needs an online presence, and every successful online presence begins with a domain. From your website to your email address, a good domain is easy for your customers to remember, it looks nice on a business card or billboard, and it reflects the true identity of the project it represents. It's important to reserve your domain early on when you are starting your business, as you may find that the .com address for your preferred brand or concept has already been taken. If somebody has already purchased the ideal .com for your business, they might be willing to sell it. But if they aren't, you may have to get creative with one of the new alternate domain extensions, such as .co, .club, .shop, or even .farm. Reserve your domain name today at name.com slash If you are a domain name investor or venture capital firm interested in acquiring or advertising premium cannabis domains, go to the Gondrepreneur domain market to browse a wide variety of names, including strains.com, cannabismedia.com, mj.com, and countless others. Discover branding opportunities for your next startup and learn about listing your premium domain names for sale at gondrepreneur.com slash domains, sponsored by name.com. Welcome back to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, here with Richard Pine, founder and CEO of Cleveland Cannabis College. Um, during the break, you had actually mentioned uh, that you're, you're a young guy. You're younger than me, uh, 28 years old. You know, do you, do you, how, how do you think that plays into the whole development of the program and your approach uh, to the industry? Well, um, you know, having that I'm a bit younger does um, give me the upper hand in the fact that I have the, the energy and tenacity still to, to tackle something like this. Um, and when I say this, I, I don't joke, it's seven days a week. Um, so I, I feel like that, you know, still, still being young gives me the opportunity to do that. Uh, also, the medical marijuana industry is, is something that the younger generation is very, something that they're very passionate about. And they've, they've been, a lot of us have been growing up, you know, since, um, I mean, I think Ohio first had medical marijuana in the 1996, um, then it was obviously tur uh, turned over in 1997, but, um, so I was still really, really young back then. And so we kind of grew up with this fight starting out west and, and, and moving east and, and seeing how the country has developed. Uh, not to say that that um, older people are out of the industry, but um, you know, it's, it's a chance for, for my peers to go into something that they might enjoy more, let's say, than, than a typical desk job. Um, but it's also really interesting to see how, how age does not play a fact in how people communicate. So what, what, what I, when we have these classes, it's the young guys are talking with the older guys. Um, we've had physicians in our, our, our class that are retired physicians and just still looking to, to do something. Um, and, and they all can communicate with each other with this common interest in, in medical marijuana with, with, with helping people get access to this medication and figuring out you know, the ropes together. 
Um, so uh, luckily I haven't been faced with any adversity being young and being discredited or anything like that. Uh, so I'm really beneficial uh, in, in that aspect. You know, I haven't had anybody look down on me for, for my younger age. So uh, again, I think that just goes, goes with the industry um, uh, people just being, you know, more, a little more open-minded uh, that kind of tend to follow this track. So, so moving backwards a little bit, um, you know, you guys over there, you guarantee the full-time students get jobs six months after graduation. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's a lot, you know, especially I, 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 uh, I was a professor at a at a small private college in upstate New York and uh, worked closely with their career development program, uh, helping students write resumes and that sort of thing. And that's not even a claim they could fulfill. Um, so how do you plan on keeping that promise? First of all, I want to make that really clear that um, we were a little bit misquoted that not every single one of our students um, is guaranteed a job. It is our executive program, the, the $9,000 full-time uh, program that covers every aspect that we offer. Um, so, so I want to get that straight off the bat. Second of all, we, we offer that to all the new students coming in, and that's not something that we're going to offer forever. So. Um, I mean, we've, we've already had people that are in companies that are submitting the applications for uh, example the horticulture and the production facilities um, call us asking about our students so we already have people looking for employees I've had attorneys call me that represent uh, companies here and companies out in Colorado uh, wanting to speak with us about uh, our students and you know connecting in the future um, and since we are, are one of a kind and we put out, you know, top quality, top of the line uh, students. We feel that there's not going to be an issue at all getting them placed into these um, into these businesses because, if, I mean, put yourself in the in the shoes of someone that's got a couple million dollars in, uh, you know, twenty five thousand square foot grow facility in Ohio. Are you going to spend the money to get someone from out west? in the hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's what they're making out there? Or are you going to hire someone that's local and has the knowledge and has spent some time in another facility, professional facility um, for, for a lot less? You know, so we, we feel that it's kind of going to be kind of a no-brainer for, for these companies. Um, and we also have partnerships uh, in other states that are legalized so we can find employment for these uh, students, whether it's in Ohio or in one of the surrounding states that it's now legal in. Well, and recent reports show that, you know, that the industry is expected to outpace government jobs and manufacturing jobs by 2020. So this, the trends seem to indicate, uh, you know, federal weather permitting that, you know, the, the, that the opportunities are you know, kind of endless at this stage. Is that kind of what you're seeing so far? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing that. Um, and we also we also want to keep in mind that, that the jobs that will be available to our students aren't going to be just in dispenser dispensaries, um, extracting companies, and 
grow facilities. And we have to keep in mind all of these, the ancillary businesses that are gonna be popping up uh, around, around medical marijuana, that having a background in one of these aspects will help them get a job in that ancillary business as well. And you said that research was something that was important for you, and you guys are offering students incubator space. You know, I, how important was that to the development of of your college? And what sort of projects are you anticipating coming out of of these incubator uh, projects space? Yeah. So, so right now um, we had we had two extra offices, so we you know didn't want to leave those empty. And with my degree being in entrepreneurship at, at Kent State, they had incubator spaces, and that was what kind of gave us the idea for this. Um, you know, I, I saw the importance of being able to use these incubator spaces in college to have office uh, structure support, uh, to have some some operation support, ask questions, and, and build your network in a, in a office setting. Um, it really helps startup companies get their their feet off the ground. And right now, we, we decided that we would give the Cleveland Normal chapter um, an office space because they didn't currently have somewhere. And we also let them hold all their meetings you know, here for free, as well as any other cannabis uh, club or discussion group or um, activism group or anything like that. We allow, our doors are open to those groups to use our facility here for free. Um, and then the other space that we have, uh, we decided to bring in a, a new company called Connect the Dots LLC. And what that does is they hook up um, people in the cannabis industry with financing, with investment. So it's connecting the dots, literally from the, from the money to the workers. So whether it's, whether it's companies out west or companies here in Ohio that begin to, to sprout up, it's, it's just a link that we're using our wide network to, to bring investors um, to these startups um, that, that, that need these large amounts of money. And as we grow, as our space grows, we're gonna obviously have, you know, have a couple more um, incubator spaces available. And we plan to, to hold um, probably about once every three months or so, a, a kind of a cannabis shark tank, if you will, uh, where we have a exclusive group of investors. Um, they get to meet and sit on the panel and allow these cannabis startups to pitch their ideas to the different investors. So, so where are you finding not just the, the financiers for these sort of projects and the companies that want to do this, but where are you also finding your, your staffing for, for this sort of thing? It is, you know, Ohio doesn't, you know, the program's not rolled out yet. So, so where are you finding the instructors? Where are you finding the financiers? Where are you finding these people in Ohio? Uh, again, it really stems from just from networking. You know, um, I'm always in Columbus. I'll go to all the different classes that are offered. So these different traveling classes, um, I, I try to attend as many of those as possible to get to, to network and know people. Um, as well as our, you know, our local normal community have brought a lot of, a lot of people to um, our door that we partnered up with. Uh, and then we get a lot of people just calling in from, from seeing either our ads or they knew someone that took a class. Um, but so different, um, you know, how patient network has been invaluable to us. The obviously, like I said, the normal uh, community has been invaluable to us. And then as far as the investors go, um, we're, 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 like I said, we, 
my basis is in real estate investing. So I have been surrounded by uh, investors since college. Um, so I just have a large network of people that we've reached out to. And, and again, uh, there are a lot of investors that are looking to get into the cannabis space, but they don't, they don't want to have to navigate it. They just want to profit from it and help other people profit from it. And are, are you finding a lot of, you know, instructors, are they coming from out West? Um, I know, a. a Guy uh, John John Cachet, I'm, I'm sure he did. I, I, he told me that he had done your keynote, uh, and he, you know he he was from California, from Ohio, moved to California, moved back to Ohio. So are you seeing a lot of these kind of migrants who uh, end up working for you as instructors, or are they coming from different industries entirely? Uh, it's a mix. Uh, Dr. Jonathan is a great guy. Uh, first of all, uh, real smart, smart guy really forward thinking. Um, we're really happy to have, have met. Uh, actually, I, I originally I met his father at one of the committee meetings out in Columbus and, and we at, had lunch and had talked about some things and they ended up coming out and um, for a meeting and it was during one of our classes and the horticulture section was coming up next and we were just kind of like, hey, Dr. Gachet, why, why don't you jump up there? And he just Sure. Okay. And he got up there and just, and, and just went at it and taught the, our horticulture section, um, you know, kind of just off the cusp. And, uh, I mean, that, that comes with his knowledge and his passion. Um, and that's just the type of people that we see, um, you know, coming to us and us just being by the grace of God being placed in front of us. Um, so yeah, he has a lot of experience out West. Um, a lot, a lot of our, uh, instructors are mostly Ohio based. Now that doesn't mean that the content that they're teaching is obviously from Ohio. We have a lot of different consulting companies um, and, and professionals throughout the, the country that are helping us come up with our content. Um, so it's, it's not as much of who's teaching it, but what they're teaching. Um, but uh, Brian Adams, who is one of our primary instructors, he's the, the Cleveland, um, well, I think he's, actual title is direct, uh, executive director of the Cleveland chapter for normal. He does a lot of our uh, speaking. Um, we have different law groups come and teach the law section since the legal landscape is literally changing daily in Ohio right now. Um, from class to class, that's always changing. So we always have um, one of our um, legal representatives that are up on uh, the legislation come and teach that section. Um, we have Rob Ryan come up from Cincinnati and teach our patient access um, section. He's from the Ohio Patient Network. Uh, so, the a lot like I said, a lot of a lot of the people are from Ohio, um, and then like I said, in, in Dr. John's case, people that have left Ohio and then have come back due to the, the law changing. So I, I want to get into more about these uh, the, the the rules uh, that will dictate the Ohio program. But before we do that, we got to take one more short break. I'm TG Brandfall. This is the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. At Gondrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of canna bias, which is when a mainstream business 
whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis-friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfold. I'm here with Richard Pine, founder and CEO of Cleveland Cannabis College. Uh, before the break, we we're talking about how the, the legal landscape in Ohio is, is changing every day. Uh, we know what some of the draft rules are. Uh, fi- I found out today uh, what's very unique about the program is that uh, it will be dispensed, cannabis will be dispensed based not just on weight, but also THC content. Um, you know, I'm sure that you tailored your programs for the state regime. So, so what considerations were made during that class crafting process? And can you give me a specific adva- example of a course that you had to adapt for Ohio's regs? Yeah, like I said earlier, um, the, the, the legal section is really what we've had to adapt the most. Um, you know, cannabis grows the same at an indoor facility here as it does an indoor facility anywhere else. So as far as the that aspect, um, you know, that, that stays the same. Um, the, the laws is something that's continuously changing, and that's something that we update literally the day before every um, presentation. Um, so that's kind of an ongoing change to the classes and that and we leave that up to you know our legal representatives um they're the best at that so we just leave that you know to the pros um they're, they're the ohio law once it's finished being written so we're you know we we aren't teaching certain things yet until they're they're written in stone with with, with ohio um but there's a lot of little things that go into um, starting up some of these different businesses that were taken into consideration. So, for example, um, the security systems and the type of safe that's needed at a dispensary is is very specific under Ohio law. Uh, you know the 
the state has to be able to access your uh, video feed of your security cameras. Uh, you have to save your security, you know, footage for 45 days. You have, your security cameras have to be able to take a high-resolution picture. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of little nuances that are being written into the Ohio law uh, that that we've had to to take into consideration and, and, and adapt for. So, so when we're teaching our dispensary course, we know we have to make sure that we're covering a huge section on just security. Um, so it's it's we we you know we have the bones. We like to say we got the bones and we're just filling in the meat and the potatoes as, as we go along. Um, you know, so it's, we have the basic structure and we're just fine tuning it as the laws come out. And were there any surprises for you as the, as the proposed rules get, you know, get made public? Are there any surprises for you so far? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, like I said, I go down to Ohio um, when they have the medical marijuana committee meetings and it's really kind of a cool thing to see how, how they're doing it um, and taking public comment into consideration. Um, the numbers of the facilities have continually gone up in their discussions. Uh, they're basing it off of, I guess it was an 18,000 patient um, pool, which I think is, is a bit low, um, especially with over three and a half million opiate prescriptions being written last year in Ohio alone. Uh, so I think those numbers they're going to see um, are, are a little low. Um, the high application costs I thought was a little ridiculous and, and creating a lot of barrier to entry uh, for people that really have the desire and passion to get into it. Um, and then other kind of other little things that I thought was interesting um, and that some, some people might think positively on, uh, some people might think negatively on, but um, actually treating marijuana as a medicine, um, they are requiring, you know, the seed to sale um, system to be tracked. I mean, you know, everything's got to be tracked from seed to sale, and that each patient will also have their medical marijuana linked to the OR system, which is the Ohio Automated RX reporting system. So all the the uh, just like if you were going into a pharmacy, a real pharmacy like CVS or something to get your prescription, uh, it's being reported the same way for your medical marijuana. And so they're, they're allowing you the 90-day supply, and um, this, this system will be able to keep track of that, of how much of each individual's 90-day supply has, has been bought, if it's all been bought, and you know, so on and so forth. So and I thought that was a pretty interesting part of, of the rules that they're proposing. Well, and they're, and they're basing that, that, uh, that supply on not just weight, but THC content, which is that, I mean, that's, that's the first time that's been done. So is, is that something you guys were kind of prepared for? Because this, you know, I mean, this is something that just came out, you know, over the Friday, I think. No, it's not something we were necessarily prepared for. Um, it's, it's, you know, something else to take into consideration uh, when, when teaching the classes and, and teaching, um, especially when we're talking about the extraction and, you know, the testing side of things to be able to tell, you know, what levels of the different cannabinoids are, are in the product. Um, so it's definitely, definitely something we have to take into consideration. Um, but, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's, it's, we're, we're used to adapting. I'm used to adapting. So uh, 
we just we just take it, we get the information, we work it into our course. And do we do you have any indication when the first first dispensaries will actually open? I know every state, you know, they say this date and that date, but it's most often, you know, thrown by the wayside two weeks in. So uh, what are you guys sensing over there? So from my understanding that they're allowing the grow facilities to start first and then, you know, the grow facility applications and the uh, manufacturing applications uh, to be put in first. So I'm, I'm assuming that those will be put into play so that they can have the product available. Uh, and then everything by Ohio law, everything has to be set into play as of September 8, 2018, I believe. So, uh, I can see that no later than than that date will there be the dispensaries. You know, so, so September of 2018, there will be dispensaries in Ohio fully stocked and ready to go. And would you say that they're on track to meet that date? I, personally, I think so. I mean, they got a lot of time. They got a lot of time ahead of them to get these things together. You know, they got a year and a half to go. So. So, and then finally, you had, you know, you had said earlier that one of the most common questions you got uh, at at the at the Q and A was, you know, how how do people get into the the cannabis industry? Uh, so, what what's your advice for entrepreneurs or individuals looking to get into the space? Yeah, and, and I'd like to to just tell you a little bit about the, the legal part of the class. Um, you know, the lawyer's always up there, and she goes over he or she, depending on who we have, goes over the application fees and. Um, you just kind of, the whole class, you kind of see their head just sink down into the table like, wow, why am I here? I don't have $100,000 lying around. Um, and so we always step in and, and kind of just reassure our students on a couple things. So first of all, if you have the passion, if you have the plan and the desire to make this work, you know, the money's out there. I tell all of our students, do not by no way let the financial aspect of starting a, a you know a, a, either a grow dispenser or extraction company be the reason that you don't do it um the the money's out there and if you have the right plan and you can show that to, to someone um you can you can get the money and that stand and that, that stands true with, with all entrepreneurs um and then also we, we tell our students to not have blinders um so don't don't just stay focused on the grows the dispensaries and the you know the manufacturing you know the 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 opportunities are limitless um it's really look into the ancillary businesses you know we we use the the story of the gold rush out west um and how it wasn't so much the miners that made the money but the people that were selling them the shovels you know, that's where Levi Strauss, who makes Levi's jeans companies, you know, he got developed out there during the gold rush. Um, it's, it's the ancillary businesses that also stand to make, you know, a really good profit in this business. And they come with a lot less risk, a lot less startup cost, and a lot less, uh, you know, risk of the federal government coming after you. So... Um, that's, that's kind of the, the two things that we, we tell our students is keep your eyes open to, to ancillary businesses and that if you really truly are passionate about getting into the, the actual medical marijuana business and you're just being turned away because of financing, um, 
to not let that be the reason you don't pursue your dream career in, in cannabis. And, and that's really, that's really great advice. I, I, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people, uh, on this podcast and, and in, uh, writing stories and, you know, that's how I met, uh, Dr. Dr. Cachet was, was writing a story about lights and how he's been successful, you know, not growing with, with a certain light. And, and so I think that, that that just speaks to your point that the ancillary market is, is going to thrive right alongside with the market that quote unquote touches the plant. Right. And what Dr. John's doing is more than just a, a, a way to, a new way to grow, but it's saving money on electricity. It's saving the very important resource of water. Uh, I mean, what he's doing is, is huge for the growing community. Is there anything written in the Ohio law that looks to save energy at all or, or put caps on, you know, kilowatts used or water used? Um, not that I know of. I have not read the entire House Bill 523 as it's really, really, really long, but uh, I haven't heard anything specific yet. All right. So finally, uh, would you mind telling our listeners where they can find out more information about the college? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our website is www.clevelandcannabiscollege.com. And if you're an Ohioan or in the Northeast Ohio area, or just feel like taking a trip to come visit us, we're located at 5755 Granger Road, Suite 100 in Independence, Ohio. Well, you know, this is very, very interesting uh, of what you're doing over there in Ohio. And, you know, I really want to congratulate you on your success getting, getting everything up and running. I mean, I'm sure that's a huge undertaking in and of itself. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. And thanks for, uh, thanks for being on today's episode. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Sebastiano. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. 